called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course. But this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think your cousin can with me? You really do? Anybody on your one? Anybody in my family? No. It is late, late night, 11.04 p.m. to be exact on December 30th, 2021. This is the Hip Hop Sports Report podcast back again. You thought you killed us, didn't you? You thought you got rid of us. You thought we were, you left us for dead. You left us for dead. I know we haven't recorded a podcast in a while. Not since I think the Mark draft, but you know what? We're back. The preseason podcast of the year returns. This is Jay Hicks. Um, I have a very special guest this evening. Friend of the podcast, Kenneth Hicks, is back again, repping regular show. Uh, you can't see him right now, but he's wearing a Mordecai t-shirt. I, I appreciated his daughter, Nyla. Shout out to my niece, Nyla, rocking a Rigby shirt. We wanted to we wanted to come to you guys uh, at the end of the year to kind of talk some hip-hop, man. I know we don't get a lot of opportunities to do that. And for those of you loyal listeners that have been uh, trying to hear us, um, I appreciate you guys. And I appreciate you guys being vigilant and staying with us. You know, uh, your boy uh, went through a lot of transition this year, started a new day job early or actually technically late last year but early into this year and then um found out i was having twins gave birth to twins in in the summertime so uh that's kind of that plus the two existing children that i already had have kind of uh zapped a lot of my life force every single day (laughs) it's what they do best and so um for that reason it's it's limited my ability to write and, and record and things like that but i appreciate again all of you guys who are listening uh we did put a Peace out just this week on LeBron James. Shout out to LeBron. This is his 37th birthday today. Happy birthday, King James. We did a story on, on LeBron James. I wrote a piece there. Um, and actually, it, it got a ton of traction. And and uh, I appreciate that. So everybody that's read that piece, retweeted it, uh, reposted it on Facebook, commented on it on Facebook, started some, started some lively discussions and uh, on, spa- on Facebook that I've seen. So I appreciate everybody that's taking the time to do that and uh, check that out and so if you haven't checked out that piece on LeBron I encourage you to go check it out but we wanted to use this platform to talk about hip-hop I'm going to be back hopefully within the next couple of weeks talking about the NFL playoffs you know we always kick ass at the NFL playoffs when it comes to picking games against the spread or straight up on the money line you know your boy is killing it I'm at I'm probably at like a 65% clip all time on picking playoff games so you know you need to come find me right if you want to make a little scratch uh, this winter, if, if Christmas hit you hard like it hit me with four children, then you know what I'm saying you need to be coming holler at your boy. I'm also kicking ass in fantasy football again. I'm in the finals again, uh, and it's a money league, you know. So, so any if any of my fantasy football compadres are listening, you know, this is not the first time I've had to brag about smacking y'all on my podcast, but I'm doing it again, and uh, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's, I'm going, I'm gunning for a back-to-back championship here. And if you guys want to like just let me steal your money I'm, I'm all with it just let me take your money in august and we can just forget this charade of a regular season you know what i mean whatever works but um but yeah we're going to talk about a little hip-hop tonight so again get at us hiphopsportsreport.com is the website twitter.com slash hhs report is the twitter handle and of course we're on facebook we're on itunes we're on stitcher radio all those places still so uh, again special guest kenneth hicks joining us 
on um which is about to be approaching new year's eve central time kenneth how you feeling tonight doing good man glad to be back on the show man i know that uh it's been a while since you've been able to get everything up and running here but i know that the streets have been clamoring for it and you know we can see that it's evident already from the the content that you put out you know with the response you got off of the lebron article i mean i appreciate again all the viewers and, and readers and anybody that that interacted there i had a lot of people that read that piece and and agreed with me and felt me where i was coming from and then there was a lot of people that uh just didn't understand it and their point went over their head <laughs> that's that's i think is the best way i can describe it you know what i'm saying because it was on point i'm telling you it was on point go check it out but you know what i'm saying either you either you felt me or you just didn't understand it that's how i'm gonna uh put that out there tonight no i'm, I'm kidding of course you know obviously people have been reasonable minds can differ right Sometimes. Some, sometimes sometimes right right so and uh we're gonna talk a little hip-hop music kind of like a i think a year in review type thing uh of sorts um and i know that we kind of started on more of a more of a positive place kenneth and um you know i, I wanted to though still touch on some stuff that that's kind of uh difficult to talk about right um we lost a lot of rappers and people connected to hip-hop in 2021 and the worst part about it is we appear to be losing a lot of folks every year in hip-hop and like i mean i mean you would know this better than anybody outside of like professional wrestling i don't know if there's another industry that loses people sooner faster (laughs) um at, at a higher rate it's kind of bizarre. And, and, and on that note, uh, just a quick aside, um, shout out to uh, a, a friend of mine, Ray Autry, who I went to college with. And uh, he actually started the College Kid blog with his twin brother, Rich. I went to college with those guys, actually, and um, in undergrad. And there have been reports out now to, today that Ray actually passed away from complications of COVID-19. Um, so it's kind of shocking because he was younger than I was in, in school. And so and him and his brother were good dudes. We used to volunteer together and, and help out um, some of the some of the inner city students in uh, Toledo, Ohio, and, and mentor them in, in a mentorship program that we had on campus. That's how I got to know those guys. They went on and graduated and did great things with College Kid that with that platform. And uh, there's reports out that that Ray lost his life today. And so that is crazy to me. And um, so uh, nothing but. Um, you know, I want to do nothing but extend prayers and uh, positive energy to to Richard, who's who's supposedly in the hospital, also battling COVID, and their families. It's just a really, really tragic situation. Um, but but shout out to College Kid and shout out to to Ray. Uh, if the reports are in fact true, then, then you will be greatly, greatly missed. But um, you know, p- going back to kind of uh, uh, hip hop specifically. Uh, and that's still in the hip hop world, but more specifically talking about the music. I mean, this year alone, you know, we lost we lost DMX, Black Rob, and Shock G in a two week span in April. Um, you know, and we lost others. We lost Biz Marquis in the in the summertime. We lost Chucky Thompson, a, a, a well known producer, uh, earlier in the year. Some other lesser known rappers uh, were, were frankly were shot and killed um, throughout the course of the year, and. And then Young Dolph, who was a fairly well-known rapper out of Memphis, was was killed in Memphis, um, I believe, in November. That was, and Kenneth, I kind of wanted to start here tonight because, I, again, it's a tough subject, right? But here, here's my big takeaway from from watching, you know, what, the the tragedy with Dolph, and not so much those, not so much those other 
uh, deaths in the industry. You know, DMX was was drug related. You know, Shock G man had some other stuff going on, but like particularly the gun violence element. I mean, we've seen it countless times in hip hop, going all the way back. Uh, was it was it Scott LaRock? Wasn't he killed, Kenny? Back in like the late eighties. That's the late eighties, like eighty nine, I believe. Yeah, so going all the way back to there, we obviously had Biggie and Pac in the mid nineties. We had Big L, we had Jam Master J, we had Nip Hustle, uh, people that I'm not even thinking of. I'm sure in between, and now here we are again, and, and this pattern just keeps repeating itself. And these rappers are getting killed, and it doesn't appear to be slowing down anytime soon. And so, Kenny, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on kind of how how can we kind of encapsulate this or, or put this into proper context or perspective because my biggest takeaway is this has got to stop and i know i know this is like it's easy to say that and we and there's always this constant life imitating art imitating life thing that goes on with hip-hop and we love the bravado and the toughness and the getting in people's faces and telling them what it is and not being afraid of anybody not even death um and so that's that's a big part of the music and the culture but then when it manifests itself in real life and lives are lost and we're talking about young men man we're talking about men in their 20s and 30s most of the time you know i don't know how we're supposed to move forward because i know it's going to happen again you know what i'm saying there there's a rapper today that you know that i know that we all know that's going to get murdered in the next couple of years Let's let's call this what it is. Like, let's put a real face to it, a real name to it. Like, imagine if this were J. Cole. If J. Cole got killed tomorrow, how devastating would that be for hip hop? How what if it was Method Man? What if it was Big Boy? What if it was you know, I don't know. Name your favorite rapper. It like the game. What if the game got killed? What if I mean it would have uh Royce the Five Nine, whoever, like somebody's gonna die. Somebody's going to die somebody that we know and love will be dead in the next year or two from gun violence it's going to happen again like when are we going to wake up and, and and put a stop to this man so that's kind of what what i was left with after the young Dolph thing transpired it was just like damn like another one like uh xxx tentacion was a couple of years ago like uh, these dudes are dying and there doesn't appear to be much empathy or sympathy for it we've all kind of just kind of checked out i feel like kind of like the school shooting thing or the the mass shooting thing we've, we've kind of desensitized ourselves to it and plus it's in the music so much it's kind of like well this is kind of what it is you know and i feel like we've kind of accepted it so I, i'm rambling a bit here but kenny what do, what do you make of all this where do you come out on all this yeah it's really just a a, a sad situation you know it's one of those things where you grow up in it and you know you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, if you grew up in the culture of the music, you know, it, it's kind of been there as long as the music's been there, you know? Um, not, you know, so it's like there's always been an, a street element and, and, and certain things that go with that, you know, and it's been championed in different ways, you know? And, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, that was kind of, you know, that was in many ways things that I gra gravitated to in the music. You know, you wanted to see, you know, Method Man looked like a real-life superhero to me when I was a kid, he, but it was just, it was the fact that he was that larger than life that I couldn't fathom somebody taking him away from us. You know, I didn't think Method Man would not be here. I remember when, uh, you know, most devs said, you know, one, two, three, it's kind of dangerous to be an MC. 
And that was back when that was back when Tupac and Biggie had passed, you know, and we looked since then, that was just the tip of the iceberg, you know? And like you said, nowadays, you know, it really does feel like people are almost desensitized to it, you know? And, you know, you know, you named all the guys that you named and, you know, there was King Vaughn and Pop Smoke. And, you know, there's just so many of these young black men who are heads of their households, fathers, you know, they're responsible for their whole communities. They're responsible for literally. Yeah, like think about the the generational wealth that they're producing, and, and they're it just it out. just ends. What'd you say? And they're getting snuffed out. Yeah, exactly. We, yeah, it was just that you know you know you look at these things and you know now you know now that I'm older and now I'm I'm on the other side now you know and now I, I went from being a a young consumer absorbing this stuff to now having a child that's old enough to consume this stuff. You know, and it's funny now I listen to the same music that I listened to as a kid that I personally made the choice to play in my own ears. And it, I cringe when I play that around my daughter now. But at the same time, it was, you know, for me, it was it was almost nothing at the time, you know. And now as an adult, I look at it and I see, you know, this perpetuated cycle of violence. And it's, you know, all of her pointlessness, you know, like there's nothing that's happening to any of these young men that you know, their lives weren't worth any of this, you know, you know, these, these, you know, whatever, I don't care what the situation was. I don't care if it was street related. I don't care if it was music related. I don't care if it's clout related. It wasn't worth losing any of their lives, you know, and I would just like to hope that, you know, as our society, we can kind of graduate from this in some kind of ways. I do think that just the expanse of music and hip hop as a whole has you know created a lot of lanes where it's acceptable now to be just the any old body in rap music as you know when there was a time where that wasn't accepted so you know with that in mind i think that the street culture is definitely going to be a proponent or going to be a component of hip-hop but it's not necessarily always the component or the prevailing component you know we saw trippy red's tour bus got shot up I don't know if he was on the tour bus or not, but it got shot up. We saw Lil Dirk nearly got killed this year. And I think his brother did get killed this year. So like separate incidents, like his brother gets shot. And then I think it was like a home invasion and his, he was exchanging gunfire with people to try to break into his crib with his girl there or something like that. Like, di- like this is real. Like this is real stuff. I, to your point, I feel like, like, can we all, I wish we could all just collectively call a truce and just say, okay, like, we get it. Like, we, we understand. So we, like, we know that you're going to talk about gunplay in the music. And if you watch any music video on, on YouTube, even the, the most small-time rappers, even from central Illinois, have pistols in the video that they're brandishing or whatever, looking hard. Like, anybody can obtain a gun and pull a trigger. Like, we get it. So it, I, I kind of feel like, I just wish we could call a truce amongst all of us young black men and just say, okay, we get it. We know that any one of you is l- capable of literally murdering anybody else. We get it. So we don't need to act on it. We can just say it in the music and enjoy it for the art that it is and that it's intended to be without actually <laughs> keeping it too real. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need to keep it that real. We understand. Anybody can, you can, you know, as Chris Rock once said, you can buy guns from Walmart. Like, it's not hard to get a firearm. It's not hard to shoot a video with a gun in it. And it's not hard, evidently, for a lot of people to, to pull the trigger on somebody else's life. So, 
you know, let's just all just accept the fact that we're all tough. Everybody's afraid. The funny thing is that, like, if the movie Friday taught us anything, it's, you know, it's the other way around. Like, the tough guys are the guys that aren't carrying guns around. You know, these, these guys are scared to take an ass whooping, as the late John Witherspoon once said. The sissified. It's like, if you're a tough guy, you would put up your dukes, like Pop said, instead of running to pick up a gun. That's kind of the coward way out. That's the irony behind the whole thing. But it's just like, we get it now. Like, we don't need to run around murdering our own people. Like, I just, I can't, you know, and I'm not from that world. I'm not a rapper. I, I didn't grow up in, in a world that was like that, you know, but I'm not far removed from it. And, you know, I don't know that any black person is. And it's just, it's just tragic, man, to see guys like Dolph, who by all accounts, you know, was a good dude that like really cared about his community, cared about his fans in a way that was really special and resonated with folks. Nipsey, his his death affected me more than any celebrity death ever uh, to this point in my life. And I think kind of something else that you touched on, being a parent, I think, has a lot to do with this. Um, as, as you mentioned, you're a parent. I'm a parent. And, you know, when we were younger, it, it, was, it was all good. You know, we just bopped to it or whatever. And, you know, and we liked the gunplay and listening to all that stuff. And we still like that element of the music. But, you know, but it does take on a bit of a different tone when you have children of your own because you know that that's somebody else's child that's that's been murdered you mentioned pop smoke he was all of what 20 years old like i'm old enough now to to know what 20 years feels like like i remember where i was i was in high school 20 years ago i i know what 20 years ago was and what it felt like so for for me it's it's to to see life human life discarded in that way it's just, it's just sickening, man. And people just understand that if we continue down this road, your favorite rapper or my favorite rapper could be next. Nas could get shot and killed tomorrow. Like, until we put real names to this as far as the future is concerned, I don't know, I don't know if anything's going to change behind it. Absolutely. You know, and I remember, you know, just, you know, just to, again, put more of a human element on it. I remember there was a point not too long ago when... Rick Ross still lived in Miami. And I remember his mate back got shot up. And at the time, everybody laughed about it. And they said, ha, 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 Rick Ross is a fake artist and this and that. And, you know, he's a CEO and this and that. And, you know, people tried to belittle it like it was just comedy that this man was proclaiming that his car got shot up while he was on the freeway. And then, you know, after that, he quietly moved to Atlanta and never went back to Miami. Now, again, at the time, people thought of it like it was a PR stunt or whatever. And I, again, I don't know what these people do. But at the same time, though, I know that he definitely took that time to move himself and his family out of his home state. And he hasn't looked back, you know. And, and he so, still reps Miami. And he loves Miami. He loves Miami. But he at the same time, Miami. though, he knows, no, he realized that he has to move differently now. Well, and like to that point, we saw Dolph. He had been he had, there had been attempts made on his life before in in Memphis. You know what I mean? Like he's he's in Memphis in his hometown amongst his people. Uh, we saw Nip Hustle was murdered literally on the block that he resurrected himself. You know what I'm saying? Like he turned that 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 uh, that place of that property around and and made it about black owned business. It was, it was all black owned businesses because he owned them all. The entire block, he bought up the whole block and was giving it back to his own community in his own neighborhood. And they killed him 
right on that spot. So, yeah, like, you know, I guess sometimes you have to go. And then, and then if, you, if you leave the hood, then people say you changed. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's a difficult tightrope to walk. But, you know, I, hey, Rick Ross once said gangsters move in silence. He quietly moved to Atlanta and, and bought Evander Holyfield's house, right? Like, I guess. And now he's doing uh, movies with Eddie Murphy. So, I, you know, I, it worked for Rosé. Um, you know, we, we remember a few years ago, Cameron, they tried to carjack Cameron in D.C., I think it was. And, and there was, um, you know, he ended up being on, on the news. And, and me and my buddies laughed about that because if you actually watched the news story, it was, it was pretty humorous. But... Cam could have died. Like, he got shot in his arm. I think he got shot twice that day. He got shot three times. I think he got shot twice in one arm and once in the other arm. So he got shot three times and, and fought off the assailants and drove off and, and drove himself to the hospital. It ended well, I, as well as it could, I suppose. But it's like Cam could have easily been murdered that day, easily. And then there'd be no more Cam. And there'd be no more, you know, all the great stuff that he brings to music would have been gone for nothing. For his car? A car. Cars aren't worth anything. Like, I, I don't know, man. So I, I guess I, I think we don't need to belabor it, but I, that's was kind of my biggest takeaway after the young Dolph tragedy was, you know, we, we got to put more living human faces to this epidemic in this genre and in this industry or else it's going to continue to happen. And until we like look ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, man, you know, we could lose Snoop Dogg. We could lose... You know, all of our favorite heroes, whoever they may be, we can lose Eminem, we can lose Ice Cube, we can lose whoever. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's ever going to be felt the way that it needs to be felt, and I don't know if it's ever going to change, unfortunately. But speaking of Cameron, I did want to move on to talk about some more positive things that transpired this year, such as the versus battles that we've seen. Uh, we did see Cam and Dipset take on the locks in the summertime. That was probably the most noteworthy battle of the year. And of course, Jadakiss stole the show. Like few shows have been stolen in recent memory. What was your reaction to watching Jada do his thing in the garden? Oh man, watching that, that was the most hip hop moment I felt in the last 15 years. You know, it was, you know, I, you know, it's one of those things where you, you kind of remove yourself from, certain elements of life, you know, like you said, as you kind of mature and, and life takes you in different directions. And, you know, I, I live on the West Coast now and I'm a dad and, you know, things just aren't the same as they were when hip hop was like young and magical to me and that type of thing, you know, and, you know, I used to like going to, you know, to, you know, battles and things like that. And, you know, I used to enjoy that energy and being or just being able to enjoy real hip hop, you know, and, you know, for so long, real hip hop hasn't been championed in pop culture the way that it needed to be celebrated because there's been so much of an allowance made for other types of, of music and other types of hip hop, which is good too. But at the same time, though, um, you know, there's that original element that had been missing, that, that soul touching element of hip hop that it has really been not resonating with me for the, for the majority of music for a while now. Um, so, you know, seeing the energy, seeing, uh, you know, the locks come out on stage, you know, all three of them, you know, they were, you know, they weren't, you know, they weren't with the pretty stuff. They were, you know, they were timmed up. They were ready for, they're ready for war. 
Dipset came out, you know, in their Harlem shit. You know, they were fly and everything, you know, and it was just fun to see it, you know, all the energy just kind of came back, you know. I remember uh, get growing up being excited hearing mixtapes, and I remember when, you know, crews would run up to the Hot 97 to drop freestyles and stuff, and you couldn't wait to hear it, and you'd be playing it back, and, you know, that kind of energy has been missing for so long in hip-hop. And, you know, it was just a sprinkle of it. You know, it was just for one night, but it felt so good, man. And it just really, I know. you know, the whole battle was just great. You know, I, I celebrate both groups. I love both groups. I respect both groups, you know, and it, like I said, it was just a great night for hip hop. Jada definitely stole the show. Man, he stole the show. Like you kept using the word energy and that's the best way to describe it. If you haven't seen it, you have to go back and watch it. Like it was like... If you looked up stage presence in the dictionary, it would be Jada standing there with his arms folded. So like, I'm outside. Like, <laughs> this is New York. I'm not in Miami. I don't do Instagram and none of that shit. You know, he said all that. Like, that was like the, the energy was so palpable in that moment. And, and, and New York, who's been stroking its own ego for, I don't know, forever. Um, they really did feel that moment. And, and, and I can't blame them for it. Like, that was... That resonated with everybody, even people like you and me who ain't from New York. Um, Jada commanded the stage. There were how many stars were on the stage? You know what I'm saying? Like the locks, the locks is a legendary group. These are two Hall of Fame groups. Cameron is a superstar, has been in movies and everything else. Jim Jones had the ball and record, which is probably as big as any record that's been had by anybody on that stage. Like these guys are legitimate superstars, all of them. And Jada just outshined them all in 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 his element. Like maybe he had an advantage because he already did the one with Fab before, even though it's on a much smaller scale. I don't know, but I mean he commanded the stage and it was stage presence on a thousand, and and that's what kind of separated it out. That and the fact that just from like a win loss standpoint, he really turned the battle into about making it about lyrics and about bars, which you know strategically is brilliant like if you're gonna like try to turn this into a actual competition which is what we've been trying to do in hip-hop forever is we try to we try to look at it like it's a sport and we talk about it like it's a sport we we rate it like it's a sport and we it was like a sporting event watching it and so we have always tried our best to have one emulate the other and we have this versus thing which is kind of like a a a competition but not really which i'm going to ask you about in a second but like Jada took it upon himself to actually map out Phil Jack on the track, right? He actually had, he actually was the coach in the game and had a had a strategy. The strategy was like, let's make this about lyrics. And if we hammer home the point that this is about bars and nothing else, these dudes can't hang. So couple that with the fact that uh, they were playing uh, Purple City Bird Gang right after 24 Hours to Live, which is a, <laughs> a coaching miscue right up there with old school Andy Reid clock mismanagement on the part of Dipset. Um, you know, it's easy to see why why people felt like the locks were victorious that night. But do you do you even like do you like the versus battles? Like do you like the the competition component cuz it's not it's not we try to make it sound like it's not really a competition cuz you know what I mean like people try to stack up the the tracks one against the other and they say like this person has these 20 songs. That person has this 20 songs. Like these 20 are better, but it's like but if you rearrange those tracks, if you rearrange the order of them, then you can have a different outcome. Or if you choose 
different songs from those from one person's catalog versus another, you can have a different outcome. And and or if you go the Jada Kiss route and you just own the moment and own the stage in a, in in something that's like you said, you haven't seen in 15 years. Jay Z was recently talking about he ain't seen nothing like that in a long time. Like that's another way that you can sway the the battle or the competition. So and it's all subjective anyway. So like it's not like an actual scoreboard like in basketball. So do you even like this format? Um, I think it's a fun conversation piece. You know, I think that uh, for artists, you know, it's a good way to, you know, just to bring conversation to the art, you know? And I think that 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 in and of itself is fun. I don't think that these should be looked at as, you know, definitive proof that this artist is greater than another artist or anything like that. You know, I think that um, a lot of it boils down to personal preference, you know, and in addition to that, uh, for many of these uh, songs and many of these artists, a lot of it comes down to just where you were in life when you heard their music. You know, if you if you were in the club when 50 Cent dropped in the club, it's going to mean a little more to you. <laughs> <laughs> you mean then if you were like in fifth grade when it came out and it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Exactly. This is kind of exactly. cool. They, they played this at my boy Steve's birthday party. Like, no, like I was literally <laughs> in the club rocking in the club like yeah it's different exactly yeah. you know so these type of things matter so you know i don't look at it as you know uh you know hard evidence that one artist is greater than another one i do think that it's a great platform to celebrate our artists you know i think that it helped get us uh all through some tough times here during uh covid here and you know, giving us a platform to, you know, kind of just enjoy some of the music and just kind of revisit some things that we've really enjoyed throughout our history of, of having a great musical legacy, um, collective music, musical, musical legacy. Nothing says um, musical legacy like Busy Bone trying to attack Juicy J. <laughs> that's about as... Uh, yeah, that's about as legendary as it gets. Uh, it was it was busy bone in his full element. Uh, he went full busy bone. He went full busy. I I mean like so like kind of like your point like to that battle like um, to me I felt like people going in were saying like oh three six is gonna kill bone and then they got on stage in L A and everybody forgot how how love bone is in L A and then it became a very very pro bone uh, experience live but then some of the song selections by bone were curious they didn't even play first of the month which is crazy busy bone started a fight in the middle of it maybe you could say you could argue that he didn't start the fight but you know what i mean he it was um an altercation ensued and he was at the middle of it and when it was all said and done i think most people probably felt three six won the battle and i'm kind of like okay like i i guess they won i i suppose but like not because they're better kind of like you is it just like you were saying like I don't. I didn't feel like they won because they're better, and their bone songs really aren't super conducive to that format. Like, were they going to play the Phil Collins record? So take take me home. They're not playing that at verses. Like, but that was a hot record though. But to me, but that you know, or the I tried so hard. Like, you can't play that at the verses. I tried so hard. Like, it doesn't fit. It does not fit. But those are some of their bigger hits. You know what I'm saying? But like they can't play them in the verses. So it kind of handicaps a group like Bone a little bit. But no, the Bone 3-6 battle was was uh, was definitely one of the crazier ones of uh, the whole versus series to date. Um, like I said, I had a great time watching that one, too. Uh, I do think that 
I wouldn't say that I would honestly, I, I wouldn't say that either one of them won or lost per se. You know, I think that, um, you know, again, the fact that, you know, bone didn't play first of the month was, uh, I think a huge miscue on their behalf. There was a reason for it because I did watch, uh, I think busy bone got on Instagram and he was talking about it. And I think he said something to the effect of they were trying something about the timing, you know, and, you know, they thought they were going to have more time than they did or something. And, you know, I think they were maybe holding out for the, the last song and they didn't have the time that they thought they would um, to use that one. But point being that. That's a gross miscalculation. Oh, yeah. Horrible, horrible miscalculation. <laughs> that, 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 is, that sounds exactly like what a coach says after they blew a timeout or they blew a challenge or something like that, or they made a, the wrong substitution at the end of the game. That's exactly what that sounds like. Well, we miscalculated. We thought we were going to have more time. Like, that's the kind of stuff that gets you fired on Black Monday. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, the other, the other recent development that has come, well, well, that I mentioned that Jay-Z had talked about the Jadakiss, uh, <laughs> the Jadakiss experience at MSG. And then a whole internet argument broke out about whether anybody could beat Jay-Z in a versus because Jay-Z said unequivocally, nobody, nobody could beat him in a versus. Um... How do you feel about that? Uh, you know, the thing is, I, first of all, let me preface everything by saying that I am a Jay-Z fan and he is my favorite rapper. And I do uh, profess that Jay-Z is still the greatest rapper alive. Um, that being said, there definitely are people that I think uh, could contest, contend with him on of versus stage, you know, and, you know, there may be people, you know, there's definitely people who have longevity, who have catalogs, you know, I remember seeing Snoop Dogg in concert before his catalog is incredible. (laughs) It is incredible. Uh, I saw Juicy J in concert. I told you about that before. That was the greatest concert I ever saw in my life because he had hits that I didn't realize he had. You know, he was just coming with hits out of the woodwork. You know, I think Busta Rhymes is somebody that, you know, has so many features. You know, he has such a long career when you go all the way back from leaders of new school all the way up until, you know, to, you know, he's still working to this day. You know, I think he could, you know, do some great things in a versus battle. You know, I don't think that it's just a a guarantee that Jay-Z would just walk away regardless of who the competition is. Yeah, you know, I, think, I, think, I think, yeah. I'm sorry, I mean, could you, go ahead. No, just that there, I think that there's, there's definitely some other names I think that I would throw into that hat that have some mean, some mean catalogs that could uh, do a great versus battle with Jay. Well, the, the most common names that we heard thrown around were Lil Wayne and Drake and Kanye. And I think it goes back to everything that we've already said, honestly, is that like, you know, on a one-to-one, like, I don't think, I think Jay-Z is more equipped to win any sort of battle. So again, if you want to equate it to sports, sometimes there are teams that can win any kind of way. If you look at football, there are teams that can win ugly. There are teams that can win pretty. They can beat you running it. They can beat you with a ground game. They can beat you on special teams. They can beat you with elite defense. They can beat you with an aerial attack. They, you know, they can outsmart you. They can outphysical you. There are different ways to go about winning games in different circumstances, different elements, things like that. Um, Jay-Z, I think, is probably better equipped to win a versus against any other rapper. If you want to go, if you want to turn it into a, a lyrical battle like Jadakiss did with the locks, Jay-Z can hang with anybody. If you want to make it about party records, Jay-Z can do it. Coke rap, Jay-Z can do it. 
lady songs, Jay-Z can do it. Features, Jay-Z can do it. Uh, uh, movie soundtracks, it, it, don't, it don't matter. Like, group party records, whatever. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, Jay-Z is positioned to do quite well in any circumstances. It's like tennis. I think tennis may be the most apt comparison. Like, you have guys that excel on clay like Nadal, and then you got, have guys that excel on, on the hard courts of uh, the U.S. Open or whatever, or grass of Wimbledon. There are few people who can dominate across all of them. You know what I mean? Rafael Nadal is one of the greatest tennis players we've ever seen, but he dominates in one area of the game, and there are other areas where he's just really good, but he's not dominant. Jay-Z has the capacity, capacity to be dominant everywhere. That said, you know, Rafael Nadal has lost on clay before. You know what I'm saying? So to your point, I think Jay-Z is, uh, although he's equipped to win anywhere in any kind of way, if he, does, if he makes a coaching mistake and he picks the wrong 10 or 20 songs, yeah, like you can find 20 hot Lil Wayne songs that are, that are better than a given 20 Jay-Z records. It's just a question of, is he going to pull the right records at the right moment? So that's kind of how I would tend to look at that. Also this year, Jay-Z was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is dope. Uh, him and LL Cool J. I don't think, I don't think, I don't know that LL ever really gets the credit he deserves. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. You know, he, he would be, has he, has he ever done like a, a real like in-depth podcast about his career and stuff? I don't know that he has, maybe he has, but I think that'd be interesting to listen to. I just think that that guy is, <laughs> you talk about somebody that got a lot of hits. You forget how many hits that that guy had between like whatever it was 1988 and 1998 actually even in after that probably more like into like 2003 like that guy had a ton of hits and uh it was glad i was glad to see that he got his his uh his flowers going into the rock hall with hove um jay-z also sold title this year which i don't know man like i have a title subscription because Jay-Z told me to get it. <laughs> I am a hustler, baby. I sell water to a well. He sold me. His ass sold me so good because he told me that there are all these other streaming services and it's like, why not get the streaming services owned by the black man? And, he, and I was like, damn it, he's right. So I was like, let me support a black-owned business. Let me go ahead and go the title route. And title's great. But then he turned around and sold it, man. It's like, is there a more Jay-Z move than that? Like playing chess out here. And now he's like worth 1.4 billion or whatever because he sold title for 300 million to Jack Dorsey. I don't know. That's, that's the beauty of Jay, man. You know, he's, he's always about three steps ahead of everybody, you know? And, you know, whether it was, you know, selling Rockefeller or selling Rockaware or, you know, it, it's always, or selling, you know, his stake in the Brooklyn Nets, you know? He, he gets in, he, he makes he makes the scene hot, you know, he, he maxes out and then he he, he cashes he out makes the getaway with the bag. Yeah, he maxes out, then he cashes out. That that uh that point one percent ownership of the Brooklyn Nets back when no rapper owned any piece of any sports franchise and he owned like point zero one percent of the New Jersey Nets, and then he was the the face of moving them to Brooklyn just in time for him to get out of it. He milked that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he does it, man. The guy's, the guy's brilliant. Some other takeaways from 2021. It's hard to believe that we're, we're literally down to the last day of the year. Um, Nas finally won a Grammy. Nas had, um, never, Nas had never won a Grammy. Like, 
I don't know how that happens. I do know how that happens because one of my very first podcasts, we had a gentleman come on the show and, and break down the Grammy voting process. So if you guys want to really dig into the Hip Hop Sports Report crates, I encourage you to go back and listen to that because that would explain how Macklemore beats out Kendrick for album of the year, rap album of the year in 2012. Like he kind of broke that down, how stuff like that happens and how uh, traditionally rap has been the most poorly voted upon category at the Grammy Awards. But at least Nas finally got his one. What's and a Macklemore? Then, what'd you say? What is a Macklemore? What is a, yeah, right. What is a Macklemore? I don't know if we've seen Macklemore since. I think, I think he was so embarrassed about robbing Kendrick that he just disappeared from music. He doesn't even, like, he acknowledged fully that he robbed Kendrick. Like, in the moment, he was like, oh, this is bad. Like, I should not have won this award. And every, like, maybe like two, three times a year, Macklemore starts trending on Twitter because people start recalling that incident and how um how he it was a highway robbery type of affair with him and him and uh Kendrick Lamar at that event uh and then now I was say Nas also put out a, an album an album last week with Hit Boy evidently him and Hit Boy uh just are, are roommates and they just live in the studio together I think they have like two cots right next to the booth and they just sleep there and they wake up and record and do it again so good on them because there's more music for us you know what I'm saying um, speaking of Kendrick Lamar, he still hasn't put an album out. Are you are you worried about? Are you worried about that? Uh, you know what? I would be worried about it if for not the fact that I know that he had kind of issued a statement a couple months ago, uh, kind of stating that he was officially severing ties from TDE. Um, Even that was suspicious to me, though. Suspicious how? Well, I mean, like you know. Him, him, and him and Top Dog have a relationship that's like you know, it, it, I think it like goes through Kendrick's father or something like that. Like I don't know, it it just seems like he would not he he wouldn't sever ties with them. I don't know what it like, you know. I mean like Jay Z doesn't sever ties from Rockefeller. Jay Z is Rockefeller. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. G Fifty Cent. This is my last album on G Unit Records. Man, you are G Unit Records. What are you talking about? Like, that's how, you know, so it's like, you know, if he's not going to put out any more music on TDE, I don't know what that's going to mean for the music. Like, I don't doubt Kendrick's ability. I also wonder, though, like, is is Kendrick, like, he's so crafty with how he puts his music together and how, the way he structures his albums. Is he, is he like, out trying to outwit himself? I, I kind of feel like he's trying to outthink himself in a room somewhere. And he's going to come up with like this giant metaphor that nobody understands. And it's going to be so off the wall that it's not even going to be good anymore because because the public's not going to be willing or able to understand it and appreciate it. Is there there any I don't know. Am I way off off base on that? Like that that's like I feel like there's a non zero chance that that's happening right now. You know, I wouldn't rule it out. You know, I think that it's one of those situations where Kendrick is the type of artist where he's in a dangerous category because he's he's definitely found himself in that uh lauren hill andre 3000 category and what i mean by that is you have (laughs) given us work of such a high bar that now the expectation is always going to be there for you to you know to maintain a certain level of excellence and if you don't people will be quick to uh tear it down to judge it and to you know make it less than what you know it maybe what it is to you 
you know, no matter how much you put into it, you could put your heart and soul into it. But if it didn't hit the same way as Good Kid, Mad City, or you know, whatever that pro- project was that introduced you to Kendrick, you know, people yeah. could, you know, people would say, "Oh, this is this is awful," you know. And I think that, you know, he could definitely be in a in a place where, you know, if you put out music, you know, and, and especially in this era where, you know, it's so cool to be the contrarian. You know, and to be first, you know, people will run to the internet just to tell you about how awful the, the album is, no matter how great it is. You know, just because somebody has to say it. Or they go the other way and call it a classic, which I've hated for the last 15 years. People um, using the word classic in such a ubiquitous fashion that it just drives me up the wall. Like, I just can't stand people using that word to describe music. Even though I may have done it earlier in this podcast, I don't recall. <laughs> it's quite possible. But I just know that um, people, it's, it's one extreme or the other, right? Like, it's like, it's either it's the worst thing ever or it's the greatest thing ever. And there, there's no in-between. And there's no way to let the music rest and let it live and, and see how it ages and see how it, it still resonates down the road, you know, like all great music typically does. Um, you know, we're so quick to, to label everything right out the gate, which is why... I haven't done one in a, in a long time, but when I did the tail of the tape articles, you know, I used to wait months before I would release that. You know, every other outlet would get a, uh, they would go to the al- the, uh, the release party, you know what I mean? Or, or, the, or the preview party, and they would listen to the album there, and then they'd write their reviews before the album even dropped. And I'm like, how can you judge music fairly in that way? And so I used to like literally intentionally wait two three months before i would do an album review uh of any of any album and so um i I just i just wonder about kendrick though i just i just wonder a little bit um j cole has actually done what you described which is like he's kind of he set a high bar maybe not kendrick high but he set a high bar for himself he has a little bit of a mystique about him and when he's not playing basketball in africa he's in the (laughs) he's in the booth making music and he has legions of fans that will defend anything he puts out to the death like it's the greatest thing ever. I mean, he did it with the offseason this year, which I thought was a nice album. Um, you know, but I didn't, I didn't find myself replaying it a lot. Like, I don't know that all of J. Cole's work, in my opinion, doesn't have great replay value. Um, doesn't mean he's not awesome. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think he's great, but I don't know. He managed to, he managed to do that again. And I think that he's kind of living in that space where maybe Kendrick wants to be, but you know, maybe Kendrick's not putting music out frequently enough. I don't know what's going to happen. Like either Kendrick is going to just, is he just going to reclaim the throne and just reclaim hip hop, you know, by the balls (laughs) as soon as he comes back with his next project, or is it going to be like, eh, we've heard it before. You, you waited too long to let the, to strike while the iron was hot. It's not hot anymore. You just struck a cold iron Kendrick. You know, I feel like that's possible too. A few other things that I want to touch on. So we had like, you know, the Travis Scott tragedy in, in Houston. Um, the baby said his homophobic stuff and he got killed for it. And Dave Chappelle came to his defense riding in uh, like a knight in shining armor <laughs> with a, sh- with a mic stand, <laughs> like a sh- sharpened like a like a uh like a a jousting tool or whatever um 
Megan Thee Stallion won a bunch of Grammys, and you know, I feel like the the they're, the women's movement in hip hop is still thriving. Um, we've seen a lot more female MCs come through more in the last three years than we probably had in the previous 15 years combined. And, um, you know, I think Nikki gets a lot of credit for that, but um, there's definitely been a, a, a women's movement in the industry and women are still killing it right now. So what's caught your eye? Is there anything that stood out to you that you wanted to really touch on tonight? I think that, you know, it's just been interesting to see like kind of what you said, just how, Music is is taking different forms. You know, Lil Nas X had a huge year. You know, um, you know, you know. There's just so many different artists right now that are, you know, kind of mm-hmm. taking what was conventionally considered hip hop, and they're just adding just so many different elements to mm-hmm. it. Like you said, with all these different female MCs that are kind of you know sprouting up right now, and and you know in different cities, you know, and just all over the map, you know, and you just see all these different types of artists coming coming out and putting in just all these new elements into the game that weren't always championed before, you know. And I think that that's just an interesting development in just seeing the the progression and and the maturation of of the music on the whole. You know, the situation with the baby. You know, that was just a, a huge, you know, PR nightmare that he just stepped his whole foot in. You know, I, I don't know what the objective of that was. You know, I don't know. I don't know either. Did you hear his explanation? I did. And I was more confused than I was when I heard. Right. Saw the initial video. Right. He's like, well, I made this for the people there in the, that was in the building. Like, if you wasn't there, then it wasn't for you. So you never understand it. Like he took the stand up comedian approach hey, we're making jokes for the people that are in the audience. It's not intent. Like, I don't know that that really flies with what he said and did. You know, and then also, and then, you know, and then also he was saying stuff like, yeah, I mentioned AIDS. Like, my fans don't have AIDS. My fans aren't, you know, fornicating in the parking lot. Like, they're, they're clean and classy. Like, that was like the, his, his attempt at cleaning it up. Like, it, I'm like, all right, dude, whatever. Like, I just had to turn it off. I'm like, all right, man, you got it. Like, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's how you feel. Okay. All, all right. right yeah. All right. Um, Noted. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I, I didn't really understand that. Who do you think is the, the best rapper right now? As we rap, look to wrap the show uh, on, and wrap 2021 here. Who do you think, who do you think has mm-hmm. the baton right now? That's a that's an interesting question. Um, you know, there's you know different people you could probably make that argument for for different reasons. You know, I think and I think that's kind of the beauty again of the music is that if you if I went on pop culture influence, I might say Megan Thee Stallion. You know, if I if I'm talking about uh, or Cardi, I'm talking about yep yeah, or Cardi. You know, if I'm talking about uh, lyricism. You know, I might say Jadakiss and, you know, not even off of his, you know, not even off of, you know, his actual catalog of music from the year. You know, if we're talking about music off the year, you know, I might be saying somebody else. You know, I, you know, if we're talking about, um, you know, it, it's, it's, just, it's really hard to say, man. You know, I think that just people are kind of expanding in different ways. You know, I, um, you know, some people may say Black Thought, you know, it, it is just so many different ways you could kind of look at who you know and the thing is like when 
for years it was so it was confined to New York and it was like, well, who's the king of New York? And if you knew who the king of New York was, that was kind of inferred that that was the de facto king of hip hop in many ways. Um, you know, but nowadays hip hop resides everywhere. You know, it doesn't just reside in New York. It resides in the South. It resides out on the West Coast. I know people out here that would still, you know, advocate Kendrick to this day. And he hasn't dropped anything. You know, he, he, dropped, he was on his, his, uh, his, I think his cousin's song or something. You bring, you bring but, those people to me and I will tell them that, that they don't, that they're not, uh, that Kendrick does not have the baton right now. He, he was on that uh, one song. Yeah. But like baby something. Baby Keen. Baby Keen, yeah, that's kind of a hot record, actually. But uh, I don't know; they were cousins. Yeah, they're cousins, and he signed to Kendrick's label. Ah, so Kendrick's just trying to get off from TDE, and he's going to launch his own label and do his own thing entirely. It sounds like. Yes. Okay. Well, he wouldn't be the first artist. Um, right. Issa Rae um, just got done talking about how how <laughs> dastardly the music industry really is. So it's like, yeah, that's to nobody's surprise. Right. So, I mean, but to answer the question, you know, I know I kind of deflected and danced around it. You, you I mean, did. You did. To answer the question you, as far as... You're stare right now. Yeah, I, I got to dig my heels in here and, and pick a name. Um, if I'm going to pick somebody and say that they are... That who's running hip-hop right now, I'm going to go with... Oh, I'm going to have to go with Aubrey, man. You know? You know, he, he he's kind of... I think that's just kind of the de facto safe bet, man. You know, I think that you know, he's still the biggest selling artist. You know, he's still probably the most influential artist. You know, he has ties on pretty much every level. You know, it's funny when his birthday comes up in October, you see you know, all these random street dudes buying a grown man a gift, you know, and it's, it's funny because you just see so many people from all walks of life coming out. And it's not and that's not what makes him the biggest rapper to me. But, you know, like I said, when you look at just his impact, you know, his music overall, and I'm not even, you know, the last album, I haven't even played it, to be honest with you. I played, <laughs> I played, it, I played half of it once. You know, I, I played more of, of uh, Donda than I played of uh, Certified Lover Boy. But that was something else. That was another moment of the year, though, was those two records kind of competing with one another. Yes. I definitely played Certified Lover Boy more at the beginning. And over time, I found myself playing Donda more. And I think being a few months removed, I think I can confidently say that neither album was really that great. They were both fine. You know what I'm saying? It was like fine. Um, I think Kanye, and I'm not, I think even maybe Style said this, that like Kanye kind of like almost misled people because he named the album after his mom and like barely referenced his mom on the record. Like it didn't really have anything to do with her. It was just a collection of songs and he just named it after her. But like, I think most people were expecting uh, more of an ode to her or a, a actual dedication to her, which, you know, kind of is free to, he's free to do it however he wants, you know, but. I will say that the song with him in three stacks might be the best song I heard all year. Mm. Okay. Well, that's, that's fair. I mean, and three stacks has the, has a tendency to do that. Um, when he comes out with like a hidden verse or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever it was like, they, they had the baby on it. I took the baby off and they threw him on whatever it was. Um, you know, uh, and, and my son does like some of the songs off Donda. I should also point that out. So kids, kids are fascinating because they're like, they're like the most honest people in the world, but beyond just their general honesty, like music is like the one thing that, I think, I think we can kind of all like, if you, if you just play a song for a child, if the child 
moves and like they don't care about lyrics. They don't care about content. They don't care about context. They don't care about wordplay. They don't care about nothing. Like, is this a good song or not? And if a kid vibes to it, then that's a good song. Like, because they strip away all that extra stuff that us adults, you know, put into it. They filter all that out and they just like, is this a dope song or not? And if they like it, then they're going to dance to it or whatever. And we just need to like accept that. Like, I think that there's something to be said for like, if you can make music that kids enjoy, then you know, like if you can make like, you know, like there's obviously music that's geared towards kids, but if you're making like regular adult music, but kids love it, then it's a, it's probably a dope song. But anyway, um, but yeah, I don't think Donda or certified lover boy was that great. I think, I think, you know, so I, I kind of have a bone to pick with Aubrey um, because he, he is kind of in the driver's seat still. And he's been there for 10 years and like, you can't, he's stop. Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. He's saving. He's Nick Saban. I mean, he's just, he's like running up the score on Murray state. And it's just like, I'm not impressed anymore by that. Like, it's great. Like, yeah, you scored a lot of touchdowns, but like, why are we supposed to be calling you the goat or whatever? Like, there are some people that legitimately believe that Drake is the greatest rapper ever, like legitimately. And I think those people are insane. And it's not that Drake's not great. He is great. But it's like, this guy's been like making music for 10 years on the same subject. Like the same reason why I criticize Push T. You know, it's not even really criticism. It's like, you know, Pusha T, I, I call him the rap Kyle Corver. Like, Kyle Corver is an amazing shooter. That's, that's all he does. But he does it better than anybody. And if you like coke rap, Pusha T is damn near the best coke rapper you will ever hear. And that's all he does. If, there's, if, he, if he can't, if you, if you force him to not rap about it, you wouldn't listen to it. The song would stink. It, he wouldn't have a deal. You know what I'm saying? Name a song that Pusha T has made where he's not talking about pushing drugs. His name is Pusha T. Like, you can't find a song where he's not talking about that. Just like you yeah. can't find a game where Kyle Corver scored 25 without making a three-pointer. You can't do it. Okay? So, so with Drake, it's kind of the same thing. Like, past a certain point, you cease to be impressed. I'm not impressed by Drake, you know, rapping about a bunch of random women that nobody knows. Like these are random women in his alleged personal life. And he just runs down all these names from, from women from 10 years ago. And left them in a waffle house. Yeah, exactly. These women that left them in a waffle house or, you know, he met them in a strip club once. And then all of a sudden he had like a long distance relationship and then they broke it off, but he still calls her and gives her advice for some reason. Like all kinds of that stupid crap. Like we don't know who these people are. Why do we care? You know what I'm saying? Like, his music has not matured an inch. This guy actually has a child now. He's a father now. Like, he made, like, one song about his kid, two songs maybe, and then that was about it. And then he's back to, I'm too sexy for my shirt. And it's just like, dog, like, I don't care about that. Like, I mean, he's, I'm not going to say he's not talented. I I love, I love it. Like, his his wordplay, his raps are great. I'm a fan. The singing and stuff, hit and miss for me. But I just don't, I just, I can't, I can't do Drake anymore like in, in the way that I did. Just because it's, it's, it's the same, it's, it's, it's paint by numbers. It's paint by numbers rap. He knows the formula that what he has to do. And he comes out 
And he makes an album and it sounds just like the last one, which sounds just like the one before that and just like the one before that. Same content. You know, he's getting older, but the raps are staying the same. This is, this is Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. Like, and I'm left Dazed and Confused as a listener. So I, I, <laughs> that's just kind of where, I'm, where I find myself, you know, with, with Drake. Um, Kanye is a whole other animal. I don't even know if we have enough time to get into that. But, um, but see, because like when I think of who are the best rappers right now, I think of guys like Conway the Machine and Benny the Butcher and Freddie Gibbs, one of your personal favorites. Like when I hear those guys have a verse, I perk up and I say, okay, let me play this and let, let me listen closely to what they have to say. Like those, those guys get me excited to hear whatever it is they're talking about right now. Um, <clears throat> to a lesser extent, you know, words to five, nine guys like that. I was on an Eminem kick recently. Um, I still don't think Eminem gets enough love and respect that he deserves. Um, mainly from black people. <laughs> just call it what it is. Um, I, I just don't, I just, that guy is great. Like that guy is brilliant and the wordplay is brilliant. And if, you know, if you don't like it, like fine. Like if you don't, if his music is like a little too rock and rollish, if it doesn't have enough soul in it or whatever, like I get all that, but you can't knock his wordplay. Like that dude is second to none. I mean, like he, I mean, his, he's amazing as far as I'm concerned. Like when I just sit back and listen to it, his bars and stuff, like it's, it's on another level to me. Um, but at any rate, yeah, I think of those type of guys, like I said, Gibbs, and the Griselda Cats. Um, so I'm not here to like disagree that Drake's not in the driver's seat. I'm not saying that, but it's just I kind of kind of over it. You know what I'm saying? Until Drake comes to something different. And I think he's just content with this being his lane, even though he's, what, 34 years old and a father now, and he's rapping like he's 22 years old and single. And it's just like, okay, you know, so there's just no growth. Like, is that what we're signing up for? We're all signing up for the fact that there's no growth here. I mean, I liked watching Jay-Z and Nas grow. And Nas rapping about divorce. And Jay-Z rapping about failed pregnancies. And, and, and you know, struggling through his marriage. Like, I, I related to that stuff. You know, not that I've had a failed pregnancy or, or a divorce or anything. Like, but, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are real things that men go through. You know, and these are guys that are in their 50s now. You know, I'm approaching 40. You know, you are 40. And it's like these, I'll say it again, you're 40. You're a man. You're 40. Like these are things that, that we can resonate with. But Drake, who's in his mid-30s, is literally still rapping like he used to do on the Trey songs, with Trey songs on Successful. It sounds like the same guy. So I don't know. I just, it's, it's hard for me to put my arms around it, you know. For sure. No, he's definitely... Uh... There's definitely a, a certain level of stagnation that's uh, I think that's kind of crept into his music. And like I said, I, I remember, you know, first off, just for context, you know, when Drake was on tour for So Far Gone, his first tour, we saw him in Bowling Green. Um, it was actually in Toledo. Time, it was actually in Toledo. The, it was well, in Toledo? Well, the concert was at Bowling Green, which is where I went to undergrad. They moved the concert to Toledo because it sold out so quick and it, the, 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 it was way past capacity of the venue that they had. So they moved it to Toledo. And it was in a hot, sweaty gymnasium in Toledo, Ohio that he performed. And it, it had no air conditioning in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then that night, he was, he was on Main Street in Bowling Green kicking it, you know, 
which is he didn't even have enough songs at that point to finish out his whole set he was doing usher songs that night you know (laughs) and you know and point being that you know we went because we were fans of the music or interested enough to check it out at that point in time you know and you know but my life has changed a lot since then you know and what i would want to hear about in subject matter has changed since then so you know to your point you know like you know as far as like what have i been playing throughout the year i've been playing more benny and more you know more griselda uh you know more freddie gibbs than probably anything else you know more currency than anything else you know as far as just on my day-to-day you know i know that you know what i listen to in my you know coming and goings is not necessarily what is you know moving the needle on the mainstream level um, oh no you're too old for that yeah i did, definitely way too old for that but uh i'm, I'm washed man but you know like i said as far as when it comes to actual lyricism and it come, you know when it comes to emceeing and that and and you know just delivering quality music you know i think that you know when i know that you know when benny's dropping or when conway's dropping or you know when Freddie Gibbs are dropping, that's those are the names that I get excited for. I think I just think we're too old. I mean, you know, Damon Dash said that that music is for young people, and I never really. I mean, that's a pretty like blanket statement, but I never really considered it until he said it, and like I really sat back and thought about it. I was like, damn it, he's right, man. Like music is really for young people. Like it, it, it just is, and. The rest of us, you know, we're stuck listening to stuff from the past. And nobody benefited more from 2021 than Jadakiss. And Jadakiss was one of the best rappers that was out when, when we were in high school. You know what I'm saying? Or when you were in high school, I was in middle school. Like, Jadakiss was one of the best MCs back then. Um, he's, he's, he benefited from that versus show. He, they was comparing him to Kobe when it was over with. Like, he was doing the Kobe photo with the champagne as the Larry O'Brien trophy or whatever with the jacket on in the shower. Just like, so this is it, huh? So this is the top. Like, they was, he, was, he was recreating that photo. Like, Jadakiss's stature rose greater than anybody else's, I think, this year. Um, and people acted like they didn't know that he was great. They didn't even know that that freestyle he did was like a 10-year-old freestyle, um, which is hilarious. But, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, man. I, I just, I feel like even like Benny and Conway, and I get the hypocrisy that I'm sounding a little hypocritical because I, I like those guys. And those guys just talk about drugs and violence and stuff. And Pusha T, I said what I said about him. But like, yeah, these guys are at least they're newer. It's a different voice. It's a different perspective. They're from a city that never really got any shine before. We're talking about Gary, Indiana and Buffalo, New York. You know what I'm saying? Like these, are, these aren't exactly um, staples in hip hop history. So, I think we'll we'll look to see more of them in 2021. I think maybe you and I will look to expose ourselves to some more talented younger MCs, and we just pray that nobody gets shot. Seriously, above anything else, man. And I think that's all we can do. I know. um, Real quick, I just want to say, first of all, um, you know, rest in peace to uh, Slim 400. Rest in peace to Drakeo the Ruler. You know, um, and just real quick, I just wanted to say that I remember um, I was reading something. Uh, you know, after Young Dolph passed, you know, his uh, his 
I'm not sure what their relationship was. I don't know if it's his wife, his girlfriend, whatever. But, you know, the, the woman in his life, she was talking about how I guess she had tried to start a, some kind of program or initiative. And it was called like Black Men Deserve to Grow Old. You know, because and this was prior to his passing. She was working on this, you know, and, you know, it's, it's true, you know, and, you know, I look at all these situations and again, not to be repetitive, but, you know, these black men are losing their lives for literally nothing. And these are, you know, men who are, you know, heads of their households, fathers, you know, pillars of their community, you know, breadwinners. And, you know, it really is sad. So I just want to, again, we, you know, need to humanize these, uh, these black men for losing their lives as much as possible. It's not just part of the game. It doesn't just go with the flow of being a rapper. You know, these are men that, you know, deserve to be here. And I just want to say, you know, say rest in peace to them. And, you know, make sure their memories are remembered as well so we can hopefully move forward from this gang violence and and the street violence that is plaguing our communities. I mean, there's enough things that are plaguing our communities until we start taking our own lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we, we saw Fred the Godson die from COVID. We, Scarface almost died from COVID. Like, we've seen other illnesses and other things take our, our people out. Like, we talked about Black Rob had kidney failure. And, you know, like, these things... You know, black men don't live that long, y'all. We just don't. You know what I'm saying? It's sad to say, but it's the truth. And now we're turning guns on each other. And it, you know, it's it's a really arrogant thing to think you could take somebody else's life. Um it's it's the height of arrogance in my opinion, but like it's it's really uh tragic is the only word to really describe it. So that's one to go out on. I appreciate you, Kenneth, uh, for for stopping in and showing us some love. Uh as we wrap 2021, I guess we'll be looking for a uh, um, what's your, what's your band? Is the does the, the the wrap up every year from Virginia? Skills, skills. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. Skills. We'll be looking for another skills record in the next couple of days, I'm sure. And uh, and we'll get back at you guys in the next few days, weeks, months. I don't know. Whenever my children will allow me to, uh, there'll be more hip hop sports support to come. More podcasts, more uh, articles, more things that'll make you think and hopefully make you laugh and hopefully hopefully make you love a little bit. So. We appreciate you guys for listening. Jay Hicks, Kenneth Hicks signing off. Peace.